Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, I have a very special guest in the studio with me today, Dr. Michael Clore. Michael was a pastor here in the upstate of South Carolina for a number of years, and most recently he is the network director in the Cape Fear Network of Baptist Churches. Michael, welcome to More Than Medicine. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on this. We've been friends for all of these years, and this is my first opportunity. Well, I'm delighted to have you on my podcast, radio broadcast, More Than Medicine. Now, let's go back a little bit in time, Michael, and tell me a little bit about your past uh, history as a Baptist preacher. Uh, I know before I met you, you were a missionary, I think, or church planner in New York. Is that correct? I was. I started preaching in 1971, and I pastored in Arkansas. I pastored in South Carolina. And then uh, I was called for seven years to be pastor of a church plant in upstate New York, right below Montreal. I got and you. we had the wonderful opportunity of planting other churches there where there were no evangelical churches. And then you came to South Carolina and you pastored at, at Rock Hill Baptist Church for three years. Is that what I'm remembering? That's right. I was at Rock Hill for three years. And then uh, God assigned me to Powdersville at Siloam Baptist Church. And I was there for 13 years. And then he assigned me to uh, here in North Carolina, where I was at Rocky Mount at Inglewood Baptist Church for 20 years. And uh, now for you. a year and two weeks and three days um, here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And you're the network direct. No, I knew I'd say it wrong. I'm a mission strategist. What I do is I work with 70 uh, Southern Baptist churches here on the coast of North Carolina. To help them try to do together what they can't do individually. I see. All right. Now, all the time that I've known you, Michael, your heart and your passion has been to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've helped churches to organize themselves to, to do foreign missions, to go on mission trips. And just, just talk to us a little bit about some of that. Oswald Chambers said years ago in his devotional, it doesn't seem right for so many of us to hear the gospel more than once when so many millions have never even heard it once. And so that's been my burden. Yes, uh, yes. Paul says in Romans 15, it's been my goal to preach the gospel where the name of Christ has not been known. And that's really been my heart's throb, too. I want people to hear that have never had the opportunity to hear. That's right. My pastor so, said some, oh, I don't know, a year or two ago that he wanted his light to shine the brightest where it, it's never shown ever before. That's right. That's right. And that's why we send the gospel around the world. That's why we need to go. The, if I'm not mistaken, the last thing our master said before he ascended up to heaven was that we're to go into all nations and make disciples. That word nations is ethne, which means people groups. Yeah. That's where we get the word ethnicity from. You have to go to all people groups. There are over 
12,700 people groups in this world. And every one of them need the opportunity to hear the gospel. Well, now I understand that you for the last few years have been a member of the International Mission Board for the Southern Baptist Convention. Is that correct? That's correct. I've been a trustee. We have 80 trustees representing uh, every state convention in the Southern Baptist Convention. And what we do is try to be ambassadors for our missionaries serving around the world and also uh, help in any way that we can with the International Mission Board. I've been working specifically with South Asia Committee. I asked, could I be a part of the South Asia Committee? Uh, tell, us, tell us about that. What, what all have you been able to do and where have you been? And t- Just talk to us about that. South Asia is the largest concentration of lostness in the world. One thing I love about your podcast, Dr. Jackson, is that you uh, you talk about things beyond medicine and what the real problems of life are. Medicine's involved with it, but the real problems in life are not uh, even physical. They're not material. The greatest problem in this world is lostness. Yes, sir. Because uh, sooner or later, every one of us will die and we face the God who created us. And the only thing that will matter then is, did we have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ? And so that's why it's been my heart's desire, especially in South Asia, for those people who've never had an opportunity here. Did you know that one out of every uh, five people in the world is in South Asia? Uh, South Asia has one billion eight hundred million people. South Asia uh, is are those countries, India, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Bhutan. That's South Asia, uh-huh. 1.8 billion people. Imagine five times the population of the United States. And 98% of those have no relationship to God through Jesus Christ. That's the saddest fact that I can think about. Breaks my heart. Uh, it disturbs yeah, me greatly. Of, of the 12,000 people groups on earth, 7,300 of those are unreached. In other words, less than 2% of them believe in Jesus Christ. One out of every three of those unreached people groups on earth are in South Asia. South, dark. It's the largest concentration of darkness, lostness on the whole planet. Well, now I understand that you just returned from a, a trip to South Asia. Tell, tell us about that. I did. Let me tell you about that. There's, uh, there are many different mission organizations in the world. Uh, the largest mission sending organization is the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Commission. Uh, that group of missionaries globally around the world in 2021, there were 22,744 churches started around the world. 22,700. Of that number, 21,000 were started in South Asia. Now think about that a moment. All over the whole globe, 92% of all the churches that were started were started in South Asia. God, that's a God thing. Only God can do something like that. That's amazing. And so I went in March to, to be a part of a group that says, we want to see what God is doing. There's something going on here that's historical. It's not taken place since the book of Acts. It outnumbers anything that we've heard of, in, in, even in our lifetime, in East Asia and other places. And we saw 
ordinary people that God was using to share the gospel, to make disciples, and those disciples would immediately begin to share the gospel and begin to make disciples. Uh, there's no hierarchy. Every person who's a follower of Christ is a disciple mm -hmm. and therefore responsible for making other disciples. That's what they actually believe. Where, where do they where do they get that from? They get it from scriptures. That's right. That's, That's exactly right. what the Bible teaches. And yeah. so they're doing it in South Asia, and there's a gospel explosion taking off. My goodness. My goodness. They don't... They're not relying on pastors and Bible schools, are they? Uh, every Christian is <laughs> equally responsible. They take a personal responsibility. Uh, that's something we don't do in America. This, the hierarchy, the, the, this thing called clergy and laity, those are not biblical terms. No, no, uh, you're a follower of Christ or you're not. There's only two kinds of people. You're either on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. And and that's clear around the world. You're part of the darkness or you're part of the light. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I, I have, my listening audience knows that I have a special needs son, John Richard. And every time we meet somebody new when we leave, John Richard looks at me and he says, Dad, says they're a Christian or not? You know, he's got everything uh, organized in his mind and he everybody he meets, he wants to know if they're a Christian. And he'll ask me, he says, Dad, is he a believer? He wants to know because he knows that everybody in, in this whole world, everybody in this life, the most important thing about them is their, is their spiritual condition. He wants to know if they're a believer or not. And I, it just it, it challenges me even to, to, to be asking people about their spiritual condition. And it challenges me to, to think more about uh, reaching lost people all around me where I live. And of course, my heart and my passion is for going overseas as well. But every time I, I meet somebody new, as soon as they, they walk away, John Richard asks me, he says, Dad, is he a believer? <laughs> yeah, that's the issue. That's the issue. Yeah. Do you have time for a personal story that I saw? Oh, yes, sir. Of the kind of people God uses. Uh, I was reminded of 1 Corinthians in the scriptures where it says, God has not chosen many mighty, many noble. He doesn't choose a lot of who's who and uh he uses some of those he can but he's chosen the ordinary things That's ordinary right. people that he can show extraordinary power through i met someone like that in india he, here's this explosion that's taking over a certain section of south asia i met some missionaries there who uh 18 years ago this missionary was going down the road and he saw a young man picking through garbage. That's a very familiar sight in South Asia. Yep, he was starving it. to death. He was rummaging through garbage to try to find some kind of sustenance. He stopped his vehicle, the missionary did, and went and got this guy uh, who's called uh, Tall. And he, he said, Tall, where are you from? And he noticed he was scarred a little. And he said, where are you from? He said, I have no home. Where are your parents? I have no parents. Tall's story was uh, he was a son that his mother said was born too soon. His oldest brother, a brother that was older than he was, was only eight months older than he was. Uh. And Tall was born a preemie, but he lived. And they have a belief there in that culture that if a son is born that quickly after another child, that child is cursed. So they said Tal was cursed. 
and they wouldn't let him bring a curse on the family. And as a young boy, they literally threw him out of the house. He had nowhere to go. He was homeless. He had no relatives that he knew about. He didn't know his date of birth, he did anything like that. Here he is now, a young man going through the garbage. Well, this missionary took him in. Uh, they fed him. They tried to get him medical attention. He was in tough situation. Uh, they went through all the legal uh, ramifications of making sure that he was a part of their family. He, they, they began to, to teach him. He had never been to school in his life, of course. Mm. So they started with this teenage young man. Uh, educating him there at home. And then they told him the greatest story that's ever been told. They said, uh, remember, there is a one true God who created all of us. And he created you too, because he wants to have a relationship with you. He created humans so that he could be the center of our life. All of us would be God-centered. But the very first humans, instead of doing what God wanted them to do, did what they wanted to do. It's called self. I, I will make my own decisions. And I is the middle letter of sin, S-I-N. All sin revolves around I, selfishness. And that separates humans from God. We are supposed to be God-centered. So there's that emptiness now inside of all of us. And we try to fill that with everything in this world. But nothing can satisfy us because we were made to be God-centered. If we die like that, without ever having that relationship with him, we're separated from him forever. God is holy. We're not holy. They're telling to all this. It's called the gospel, the good news. Paul's listening because he was raised in this culture of Hinduism, that there are millions of gods. They explained to him the good news, that God loves us too much to leave us separated from him like that. So God did for us what we could not do. He sent his son to be a human being. Jesus Christ. Jesus is a human, except he never did anything wrong. He never said anything wrong. He lived a perfect life, but then at the prime of his life, he gave his life as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. And then three days later, he was rationally dead to prove he really was who he claimed to be. He is God in a human body. And so Jesus is alive today, and he's been alive for 2,000 years now since his resurrection so that his spirit can come inside of any of us who give our life to him. And then they said, Todd, he wants to have a relationship with you. And if you'll give him your life, he'll give you his life, and he'll take away that separation between you and him. Of course, Todd believed the good news of the gospel. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. and. 18 years later, Todd has planted so many churches. I met him. I talked to him. There are, believe it or not, 24 generations of churches. My goodness. That, that have come from him. My he, goodness. He, as a young Christian, here's a guy who never went to public school in his life, doesn't know who his mother and father are, doesn't know his date of birth. And God has used him to plant a church, and that church planted the church, and that church planted all through these years. That's not the end of the story. Todd married, and one day he and this missionary were going to a place where they were going to tell a new group of people who haven't heard yet the gospel story. And on their way, they saw a little boy on the streets totally naked. And the boy was screaming and yelling. And as they slowed down and looked at him, he was bleeding in several areas and terribly scarred in his face. 
They stopped and tried to help him, but, but he was screaming too loud. They asked people around him, whose child is this? They said, he doesn't belong to anybody. He's cursed. They took this little child, since so they couldn't find any relative. They took him to the police. They said, please take him away from here. He's constantly screaming. This little boy has parents who had thrown scalding water on him because they didn't want him anymore. And they knew if he was scarred badly, maybe when he healed from this, if he did live, then they could use him to make money begging on the streets. Well, Tall took this little boy in. Uh, oh, I can't go into all the all the hurt that they went through. Uh, he he had, had been bathed, terribly scarred. They did medical procedure after medical procedure, skin grafts, all like this. Tall introduced me when I was there a few weeks ago. He said, I want you to meet my oldest son, Asha. And here's this young man. He was scarred even today. And here he was serving food and helping us as this young man now. Uh, Tall and his wife have had two uh, other children of their own since then. But now he claims him his, as his oldest son. And Tall said to me, one of the reasons I was rescued was so that I could rescue others. That's right. And I thought, that's the gospel. That's, that's, what, the gospel. that's what all of us who are Christ followers are. All of us have been rescued. Right. And the reason he rescued us is so that we in turn could be used by him to rescue others. I met Tal and his son, Asha. True story. Yeah. God can use any of us, Dr. Jackson. Yes, yes. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. My guest today is Dr. Michael Clore. Michael is a, a network facilitator for the Cape Fear Network of Baptist Churches in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I'm delighted to have him as my guest today. Uh, Michael has just returned from uh, India, and he's sharing with us stories from his experience there in India. Uh Michael, tell us other other stories. What are some of the other things that you experienced while you were there in India? Some people would say, well, you can't start that many churches in a year, and it continue to grow year after year, and then be healthy churches. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just people saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a Christian. And they just say that, and they're counted as a number, and two or three of them meet together every now and then, and they say, well, that's a church. And so, believe it or not, uh, there were some people said these are not real, real churches. Uh, they don't have the qualities of a real church. We believe there's several marks according to the scriptures. That's our final authority. And so, we went to look at these new congregations and asked the people that were in them. Some of them had only become a Christian in the past two years, and we would ask them questions. And Dr. Jackson, every question I ask, the answer would always start this way. The Bible says, <laughs> then they would tell him what the Bible said about salvation. Oh, I love it. it uh, do you believe that every person who is without Jesus Christ is lost? Well, the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Therefore, every person without Jesus is lost. Uh, well, what about those who have never heard before? There are still millions here in South Asia who've never heard. Do you think they will die and be separated from God forever? Well, the Bible says that even though God created us all, man chose to worship the creature rather than the creator. 
Therefore, all are without excuse. These are people, Dr. Jackson, who have no formal education. They didn't go to Bible college. Certainly didn't go to seminary. They just they just became a Christian in the past few years, and yet they knew their scriptures because uh, at night when they get through watching television and they get through uh, catching up on social media, no, 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 no. They don't get through watching television and catch up on social media. You know what they do in South Asia at night, these new believers? They get in the scriptures and read the scriptures. And they study the Bible. Uh, I was so encouraged by being around these believers. They really do believe what we in America say that we believe, but they really put feet to their to their actions. Yeah. I was encouraged to see that. Well, what are their what are their uh, churches like? I mean, these are little little small house churches as what I'm guessing. It, tell me what are their churches like? Uh, uh, you can drive for hours and hours and never see a church building. But they meet in houses. You're exactly right. They're house churches. Many of them will meet under a tree, uh, meet outside. Uh, but there's a people that they'll, they'll they'll meet together and share scriptures. God will raise up leaders in that group who will be able to explain scriptures. They'll study scriptures. They'll have a time of prayer. They'll have the Lord's Supper. When someone becomes a follower of Christ uh, and there's, is willing to follow Him in baptism, they'll be baptized. They have every mark of the church that's listed in the book of Acts. They don't have hymn books. They don't have screens. They don't have projectors. They don't have fog machines or strobe lights. They don't have pews. They don't have stained glass. But they have what the Bible calls as a church, one after another. All and, and you can see them throughout the villages. There is a gospel explosion taking place in areas of South Asia. That, that's not happened since the first century, but God is working in great ways today. I'm encouraged with that. In America, it's sad to see the condition of churches, but outside of America, let me tell you, God is doing tremendous things. That's amazing. Well, now, um, what about persecution of these churches, Michael, in, in places where it's predominantly Hindu or Muslim or Buddhist? Tremendous persecution. Tremendous persecution. One of the things they teach uh, new believers as soon as they come to Christ is what to do with your enemies. Pray for them. Bless them. Uh, do good to them. Do not retaliate. And so they teach them from day one or from week one how to react when they're persecuted. They teach them the scriptures and they memorize the scriptures where Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my sake. And uh, in fact, we have some special retreats uh, by we, I mean, our, our missionaries do, where they'll take these brothers and sisters uh, for a week and encourage them. And the only way they can are qualified to go away for a week is if they've spent some time in prison. When they're released from prison because they're followers of Christ, and then they could go on a treat just for persecuted believers. These 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 are not educators or uh, leaders, that, as we would say in prominence in America. These are ordinary people who are following Jesus Christ. Persecution is real. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, this not last century, two weeks ago, in this very area I'm talking about, a Muslim went into a store 
owned by a Hindu and beheaded him while it was being filmed. It was shown uh, on social media and went viral in a matter of hours. They, they call for jihad against all non-Muslims, which, of course, in that country meant primarily Hindu. Mm-hmm. Uh, they shut the country down for a week. They closed it down. They closed. They shut down broadband. They closed all cellular. There was there was no communication. There was no cell phones. There was no television. Nothing like that for a week. They were closed. They could not meet in groups of more than four. And so, what we call Fourth of July here in America, uh, those Americans that were over there like to get together around the 4th of July and celebrate. It's a way of uh, bringing home over to them for a few hours. They couldn't do that because they couldn't assemble. That's Mm -hmm. going on right now, and it happens every single day in South Asia. Amazing. Amazing. Well, brother, we got about two and a half to three minutes. What can we do to pray for folks in South Asia that are Christians there or missionaries there? Do not pray for their protection. Do not pray that they will not be persecuted. Pray that the Lord will give them strength in the middle of persecution. Pray that God will use these days, troublesome days, to multiply the gospel even more so. This is done, yes, yes, there are uh, American believers and believers from other nations that are working there, but this is done primarily through South Asian believers reaching other South Asian believers. Pray for them, just as the scriptures ask us to. Well, we can certainly be praying for them, praying for these new believers, praying, praying for these new churches, praying for our missionaries. And we need to pray for our churches in America, pray for our, our, yes. our folks here to, to wake up, pray for spiritual revival and spiritual renewal in our, our churches here in the, in the States. Now, how can folks be involved with, with like short-term mission trips uh, if they have an opportunity to go to someplace like this? Oh, that's, that's an absolute must for every Christ follower. And if you want to go through uh, our Southern Baptist Mission Organization, everyone needs to go to imb.org. imb.org. Once you go to that website, it will have, if do you want to pray, do you want to give, do you want to go? You can click on any of those. If you say, if you click on go, it will say different ways you can go for different lengths of time. I would encourage every follower of Christ to be involved personally in these last days in the harvest. And the greatest harvest is taking place in South Asia. That's amazing. That is simply amazing. Well, Dr. Clore, I'm so thankful that you would come and share these uh, stories with us and let us know what's happening around the world. Uh, my special guest today is Dr. Michael Clore. He is the uh, network uh, facilitator for the Cape Fear Network of Baptist Churches in Wilmington, North Carolina. He's my long-term special friend. I've been on multiple mission trips with, with Dr. Clore around the world, and I'm just honored to have you as my guest today. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.